Well, hello, supernova. Ah! I'm falling over. <laughs> I don't ever push this thing, and yet this always locks upright. It's super annoying. Mm -hmm. Don't you? Welcome to Chronically Olympus, the podcast in which we discuss the Percy Jackson series chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing The Lightning Thief, chapter five. I play Pinnacle with a horse. I am an aluminum Diet Coke can being eaten by a voracious satyr. So that's weird. Um, I'm also known as Kristen. And this is my co-host. You can uh, you can just call me Mr. D. Okay. Also known as Chris. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Good. Uh, before we kick off, I would I would like to ask, um, do you actually know anything about how to play Pinochle? Uh, I have played Pinochle once before. Okay. Because I was trying to imagine this game ha happening throughout the chapter as it does, and I have no idea what it actually looks like, so I couldn't. I know there's a pile of cards. That's that's about it. Uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't. It's been at least fifteen years since I played Pinnacle. I don't remember. Yeah, there's something called a royal marriage. And there's tricks. There are tricks, which is like your your hands. You get it. You you get tricks. Uh huh. Cool. Yeah. That's that's, that's what we've been able to infer. Uh, maybe we should learn how to play. All right. So is that going to be our, you know, page, our first Patreon episode? Is us learning how to play Pinochle? Sure. And people would pay to listen to that. I'm sure. Love it. All of our, all you Pinochle heads out there, that's <laughs> like that's what they call them yep. when you're into it. And they're Pinochle heads. Yep. <laughs> see, it's funny because nothing. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was what I was going for. I see. <laughs> anyway, how do we start this podcast, Kristen? We start this podcast by reading our um, bullet point summaries of the chapter. So if you want to go ahead, and yours seems much more organized than mine. Yes. Um, I'll let you do yours first. I do have actual bullet points. I have points. <laughs> I just don't draw bullets for them. God. Well, uh, do you even organize? Oh, wow. Look at her doing that. There <laughs> are now points. Good job. Um, I have a lot of these. There's This is a massive exposition dump of a chapter. Yeah, one uh, of my bullet points is just the word exposition. A uh, lot of stuff to cover, so we'll see how long this episode ends up going, but like, there's there's tons and tons of stuff to talk about. Uh, but my bullet points are as follows. Again with the solstice. Yes. More Greek cursing. Fun memory cocktail. A familiar-looking bearded man. Annabeth gets a lot of descriptive words. Yeah. There is a ton of satyrs. We shan't deal with the metaphysical. Names only have power with awareness, question mark. Which is that what I really want to talk about, and we'll get to that one. Perseus. Hey, look, a god. American gods, perchance? And who is Percy? Those are my points. All right, mm. here's mine. 
more dreams, or maybe not. Nursed to health. Percy, nursed to health. Grover brings Percy the bull's horn. I crossed out the word Minotaur. <laughs> A blue chocolate chip cookie drink. Meeting Chiron and Mr. D and seeing the camp. Mr. Brunner is Chiron and came to Yancey to teach Percy. The Greek gods are alive. Mr. D is Dionysus and he's running the camp as a punishment. Greek gods move with Western civilization. American gods exposition. Chiron is a centaur. Yours is much more straightforward than mine. Yeah. Mine is, I, I feel like mine is more stream of consciousness. Yeah. Than, but those are our different styles, and that's what we each bring to the podcast. That's why we do this together. Yes. We each contribute. Because something. I bring straightforward, and you bring whimsy. Yeah. And <laughs> this is how we do. This is how we do. Uh, so, as we said, this is a huge, huge exposition dump of a chapter. Uh, so, we open up with Percy waking up in the camp. Yeah. So, we have him waking up from, well, the first sentence is him having a dream about barnyard animals. Most want to kill him. Uh, but the others just want food. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Uh-huh. Then we have Percy waking up to see a blonde-haired person with a bunch of blue eyes. No. For the first. Oh, first sees... is Annabelle. Yeah. Annabeth, who we don't know her name Beth, yet. Annabeth. We, he wakes up and sees a blonde chick who, as soon as she sees his eyes are open, says, what's going on with the solstice? Yeah. Like, she like, assumes he knows apparently a lot more than he does. Also, she's feeding him uh, popcorn-flavored pudding. Yes. Which sounds gross. Like, I really am not into that idea as a snack. Like, I'd try it, but it sounds really bad. You say that? Like, that's not what grits with butter is. <sighs> okay, this is a hot take that grits with butter is popcorn-flavored pudding, and I don't know. No. Yes. No. <laughs> it is. Okay. We'll, it we'll, is. We'll argue about that off mic later. It is. Um, it's like putting popcorn in a bowl with milk. That that sounds bad. Anyway, um, so then we see the husky blonde dude who's got eyes all over the place. But they're all blue. Yeah. And the symbolism of the blue, as thus far has been representative of his mother, yeah. made me feel safe with this guy. Interesting. Uh, this he, creepy, multi-eyed person. He's also got a name. There's There's... Some sort of, like, critter in Greek mythology with a bunch of eyes, and I forget what it is, and I didn't want to actually spend the time to look that up because I didn't have a specific thing to go What's for. What's the guy in Greek mythology with a bunch of eyes? Argus Panoptes? There you go. That sounds Greek. Panoptes means all-seeing. Uh-huh. And Argus was a servant of the goddess Hera. Yeah, there you go. So? He never sleeps. Possibly a solid guy to uh, watch over somebody. Yeah. yeah all-seeing. And not sleeping. Yeah. Uh, and then he's in and out of consciousness, like, sees the this creepy dude, uh, and then comes to... Uh, on the porch. On a porch, in a deck chair, there's a blanket going by, there's a breeze that smells like strawberries, uh, there's a tall glass of something next to him, a little tropical fruity looking drink, like, this is just a... It's, a fun place to wake up in, and it? It's got a cherry in it, and I a know. little umbrella. A little umbrella. Uh, Grover's there. He's there to, uh... Well, he tries to pick up the drink to take a drink, and he almost drops it, and Grover helps him. And that's, like, oh, yeah. Grover's here. Yeah. Uh, at this point, like, what really happened to Percy? Because at no point was he actually, like, attacked by the Minotaur. 
Uh, he so was like, attacked by the Minotaur. Well, I mean, he was he on the Minotaur's back when it slammed into the tree, and it said yeah. that he felt all of his teeth rattle inside of his head. I guess that's true. I yeah. was just like trying. He to... hit his head really hard on the tree. Okay, I was just like, why is Percy in such bad shape? But I did forget he got hit. Got hit a couple times. Yeah, in, in the that head. particular fight. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um. Anyway, he's. Uh... I'll throw you against a tree and see how good your head feels. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, Grover shows up wearing his camp t-shirt and his converse. Bright uh, orange shirt that says Camp Half-Blood. That's where they are. They got shirts, even. Yep. They've, they've made shirts. Really inconspicuous place. Uh, but I love he, a bright orange camp shirt. He's he's kind of in and out, starting to think it's, you know, maybe that was a nightmare. But, yeah, because uh, he sees, well, he also sees Grover standing there in normal clothes with converse on and stuff like that. Yeah. And not in his full, you know... Mm-hmm. Seder form, essentially. But then uh, Grover immediately shatters this illusion by giving him a box with uh, a little present in it, which yep. is the bull's horn yep. that he snapped off. Cool. Uh, I wonder what kind of MacGuffin that's going to be for the rest of the series because it's been given to him. It's going to come up later. Maybe. I am I think. Maybe. Maybe. This is a thing. Uh, then Percy's just like, oh, well, yeah, I guess that was all real. Uh, my mom is really dead. shouldn't be this beautiful after something like that happens. Yeah, that's a pretty, it's an intense line. Yeah. The whole world should be black and cold. Nothing should look beautiful. But the sky is blue, and it's described as blue in this same section. Yes. Where we have that color blue returning again. I mean, I don't know if that's a thing, because, like, you know, the the sky is literally blue. Yeah, yeah, but it's specifically mentioned here, whereas later when he's describing the camp, he mentions the the water, but Uh doesn't say anything about it being blue. Okay. So I just, I feel like it it is echoing this safety that Mm -hmm. the blue symbolizes. Because when he does take the drink and describe what it tastes like, it tastes like his mother's blue chocolate chip cookies. Yes. So we just have this kind of enveloping of blue where he wakes up and sees blue eyes. He goes outside and sees a beautiful blue sky. And then he has the blue chocolate chip cookie drink. I mean, Grover's wearing blue jeans. Yep. (laughs) Sometimes the jeans are just blue. Yes, Chris. Um, Anyway. Sometimes they are. He's wearing red Converse, though. Uh, Which he stomps and one of them comes off and it's filled with styrofoam. And hey, look, he's still got hooves. Yep. So, uh... After this is uh, that Grover curses, he throws another Greek curse word out there. Yes. And thunder rumbles ominously in the distance out of a clear sky. Yes, he says sticks. Yeah. Uh, and this is going to happen again later when Percy names uh, the gods, but that's a whole thing I want to talk about. Um, but hey, look, more Greek cursing, which I guess isn't like necessarily equivalent to saying all hell because like hell is Hades. So like, I don't know. Sticks, sticks is a sticks place is in a hell. Place. Yeah. yeah, I feel like he's not speaking a god's name. He's yeah. spe- speaking a place. But yeah, which apparently is still bad. Who knows? I don't know. The thunder still rumbled when he said it, so. Yeah. In this perfectly clear sky. Yeah, and, and then they have this little heartfelt moment uh, where Grover feels really bad uh, that his mom's dead. Um, and then Percy's just like, nah, it's not your fault, et cetera, et cetera. They don't hug, but they feel like they should have here. Um, yeah, it, well, we have Grover feeling responsible for protecting Percy and having Percy, A, get hurt, but B, lose his mother. Yeah. And... He's getting fired for that, for sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> Percy's mother wasn't welcome at the camp anyway, so it's not like... Yeah. 
Mr. D doesn't care. Grover wasn't responsible to protect Percy's mother. Yes. But she, they they were aware of each other. Yeah. So there there was some kind of relationship there. Uh, but anyway, Grover helps him to drink this little tropical beverage that tastes like blue chocolate chip cookies. His mother's. Fresh baked. That's why I put down fun memory cocktail. Yep. Uh, and That's gr- why I put down a blue chocolate chip cookie drink. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and then Grover asks what it tasted like in such a way being like, hey, this is going to taste different to every person. Like, this Yeah, is that's, what, I, that's yeah. what the impression I got from it. Yeah. That's not the impression Percy got from it, but that's the impression I got from it. Yeah. Like, this is something that tastes like uh, something comforting to yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. Apparently, it's not, like, super safe to drink, though, because Grover's just like, yeah, no, put that down. We're not going to have any more. Uh, yeah. Be careful with that. So I, I don't, don't know think if this you could like, handle any more of that. So I don't know if this is, like, some sort of, like, I don't know if it's, like, secretly alcoholic or, like, you know, maybe it just it's addictive because it makes you, like, go into your own head about happier times or something i don't know yeah well i mean is it some kind of nectar of the gods yeah, like medicinal. is it some kind of thing like that this is ambrosia is it it could be um so anyway uh grover leads them off they need to go meet Chiron and mr d yep so they head around uh up in the north shore yeah, they just go around on the on the walk around porch, but he comes around and sees this full camp. Yes, and he and the buildings all look like ancient Greek structures, but brand new. Yep, with shining marble, Greek architecture everywhere. There are people shooting arrows in archery range, teenagers riding horses, some with wings. Whoa! And people on canoes on a on a lake. That, uh-huh. that just appeared in the description at that point. Yeah. And, yeah, we see the water, uh, which I would assume is the ocean. Seems like a fun little summer camp. Yeah. Cool. Seems like a really cool camp. <laughs> you want to go to this camp. Sees cabins, amphitheater, all of this. Yeah. Uh, and then we, we're around on the porch and we meet, uh, we, well, we see several people there. One of them is a blonde-haired girl who was feeding him the, the weird popcorn stuff. Uh, then there's a short porky guy. Uh, he with a tiger skin print, Hawaiian shirt, and purplish black hair. That's a look, isn't it? Yep. Apparently he would have fit in really well at one of Gabe's poker games. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Grover's just like, that's Mr. D. We introduced the girl. That's Annabeth Chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried to make something out of that name. I didn't really get anywhere. Yeah, I don't have uh, anything for it yet. I can't call her Boba Fett or, you know, there's no pun. Yeah. It's just kind of boring. Um, and he said, you already know Chiron. And who's sitting there, but, dun, dun, dun. It's Mr. Brunner. It's Mr. Brunner, a familiar-looking bearded man. Yep. Uh, so he was there. You were correct about that. Told you so. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and it's like... Hey, Percy, what's up? Obviously, we knew something was up with Mr. Brunner from the get-go, so it's not really a surprise that he's here. Yeah. Uh, And uh, Mr. D looks up kind of half-heartedly, and it's just like, oh, well, whatever. Welcome to Camp Half-Blood, I guess. I I have to say it. He he doesn't seem uh, thrilled to be there at all. Uh, Like like you said, he would fit in at Gabe's poker game. Yeah. Uh, Percy also uh, acknowledges that apparently he's no stranger to alcohol. Yeah. He's (laughs) like, oh, yeah, this guy. Uh-huh. Pretty drunk. Uh, I think it was reading that line uh, 
where he's just like, if Mr. D was a stranger to alcohol, I was a satyr. I read that, and I was just like, all right, that's Dionysus for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I got there about then. I mean, the purple, like, the purple hair, the, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, did you did you also reach that conclusion? No. Okay. I did not. <laughs> did you figure it out before he was named? Uh, no. Well, yes. Well, I figured it out when he made the cup of wine appear. Okay. Cool. Uh, so he's there. Uh, they send Annabeth away to check on uh, his cabin for whatever. I don't know. The cabin is just there. I don't know why she needs to go check on it. Yeah, well, but... she needs to make sure that the bunk is ready, <laughs> that there's sheets on the bed. Yeah. Also, they can't have five for Pinochle. Yeah, apparently not. She doesn't get invited to the Pinochle game. Of course oh, she does, finally, though. we have four for Pinochle yep, when there's three walk. of us here and two more walk up. Yep. <laughs> so she gets Send cut out of that. Send the girl away. Yep. Uh, and again, she gets described in a lot of detail here. Yes. Uh, which is what I uh, put down. <clears throat> so uh, her deep tan, curly blonde hair, she was almost exactly what I thought a stereotypical California girl would look like. But. Mm-hmm. But her eyes ruin that image. She's also much more athletic than Percy. Why do her eyes ruin that image? Because they were startling gray, like storm clouds. Yes. Pretty, but intimidating. Intimidating. He is intimidated by her. Yeah. And I was going to make a Dresden reference here, but that seems inappropriate with the ages of the characters involved. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, she gets described uh, in great amounts of detail. And again, we have more storm imagery. Mm-hmm. So I, with with that much description, I am sure she's going to be a thing later, and it's not just a throwaway character. Oh yeah. So she's well, she's, she's already shown up three times. Yeah, she's she's for sure going to come back in some aspect. Uh, also, he describes her as being pretty like three different times. So yeah. I think Percy's got a little bit of a crush going on. Yeah. Possibly for sure. Also, she uh, he really wanted her to compliment him. Oh yeah. <laughs> she looked at the at the Minotaur horn in his hand. Uh-huh. And he was hoping she would say something cool about it. Yeah. And what'd she say? Uh, you drool when you sleep. Love that. <laughs> you like this character. Already. I love her so much. <laughs> you like a you like a you like a sassy lady. Yep. Um. So he it's calls. He calls Mr. Runner, Mr. Runner again, and he was just like, "No, Chiron." Uh, and I'll take a minute here to talk that a little bit about my pseudonym. Yeah, talk a little bit about Chiron. Because uh, he's an actual figure, uh-huh. as one might imagine in yes. Greek mythology. He is. Uh-huh. Uh, Chiron. Uh, one of the centaurs. We don't know that yet in the book, but we find that out this chapter. Yeah, so, well, we know cool. Chiron is a centaur. Yeah. Uh, son of the Titan Cronus and Philera, an oceanid or sea nymph. Yes. Uh, so he's the son of a titan. Son of which, a titan and a nymph. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, but the you know, Titans he's, he, are in conflict with the gods, are they not? Yes, but most of the gods are also born of Titans. So, like, you know, he is he is not a god himself. I don't know, because, you know, maybe sea nymphs are just not mothers of gods, and that's not how that works. I don't know. Uh, but unlike other centaurs who were violent and savage, he was famous for his wisdom and knowledge of medicine. Now, many Greek heroes, including Heracles, Achilles, Jason, and Asclepius, were instructed by him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's known as a teacher. Uh, kind of fitting here. Uh, and previously taught Heracles, and we've already brought up some uh, comparisons between Percy and, Percy and Heracles, Heracles before. Yeah. So, that's a thing. Uh, also, I'm not sure if this is like long, long foreshadowing for the book, but uh, in the mythology... Uh, 
Kiron is killed when he is accidentally shot by a poisoned arrow fired by Heracles. So, Hercules accidentally kills him. Yeah. So, we're going to see what happens there. Uh, yeah, so but, why is he still alive if in legend he's dead? Uh, I mean, he faked his own death so he could go work at a summer camp. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's a thing. That's a thing. Uh, so anyway, that's a little bit about Chiron. I'm sure we'll find more about him later. Uh, <clears throat> and again, Percy is just like, Mr. D, is that stand for something? And he says, names are powerful, don't use them, etc., etc. And I guess, uh, I mean, later on we have this moment where he says, you know, talks about Jesus and Herod stuff and thunder peals through the sky. Uh, and apparently, and somebody has to remind him again about the name thing. But my question becomes this, and I wanted to discuss this bullet point, where I said names only have power with awareness. I mean, you have to be... Here, here's another thing. Within some of these mythologies, uh-huh. the concept of using someone's name, specifically someone of power like a Greek god, uh-huh. some of these, uh, the, the use of the name... Yeah. Can be heard by the holder of the power. Yes. And I don't know what specific mythology that comes from. Uh-huh. But that, that's a concept that is fre- that, that does appear frequently in some of these. I've done a little, little discussing with people of knowledge. I haven't actually done any of my own reading on it. But yeah. um, that saying, you know, the name of Zeus or whatever. Yeah. He can hear you. Yeah. Say his name. And so I'm sure there's, you could argue that there has to be an awareness that the gods exist in order for that power to be effective. Yeah. But you could also argue that the gods are just constantly hearing their names in classrooms and ignoring them. Yeah. And that, that was my point is the classroom thing is just like, you know, per- Percy just took a class on this. He's probably said the name of Zeus a thousand times. Yeah. And like without any consequence. So why is it now a problem? Yeah. That he's using the name. So is that because he has a greater awareness that, I mean, at this point, like even here when he does it and the thunder peals, he isn't, he still isn't aware that the gods actually exist. They haven't had that conversation. Yeah. So I don't know what changes. But he's having that conversation with people who are aware that the gods exist. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, new, I I know that uh, to a lesser extent in Greek mythology, but like that shows up in a lot of different uh, traditions throughout the world, like even in... Uh, Christianity and like ancient Jewish thought like that's why uh, the famous passage happens where uh, Moses asks God who he's speaking to and God says I am yeah Uh, without the use of the name yeah yeah. because you know and that's why a lot of times to be able to have power over him or something like that yeah to invoke so that's been a thing for a very very long time yeah um Anyway, moving on. Uh, so we learn that Kieran actually went to the academy specifically because of Percy. Yes, because uh, they have satyrs at all of these different academies and yeah. schools. He says, we have satyrs at most schools, which is why I put down there's a crap ton of satyrs. Because, like, how many schools are there in the country? Like, a there's lot. thousands of them. There are. Like, there's satyrs everywhere, apparently. Yep. <laughs> Who knew there were that many? Everywhere. And that's just America. I don't know if we're, op- like, we can discuss later if we're operating specifically within America or most of the world, but. Yeah, I mean, and that does <sighs> come up in the chapter later, so we should 
yeah come back to that but yes like mm-hmm. it's a lot it's a lot of satyrs just floating around yeah and so now every kid who's reading this who has a disabled friend <laughs> is going to be like my disabled friend's a satyr <laughs> and every kid who's reading this who is disabled is like am i a satyr well why aren't i a satyr <laughs> yeah i'm totally sure that's what's going through their heads yeah um but they have satyrs everywhere, so I guess uh, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, Grover's not really important. Uh, he's mm-hmm. just, you know, another guy. Yeah, he's but just, we, yeah. we have brought up, I'm returning to what I had just said, we had brought up when we were reading the first chapter that there was this representation of disability in this. Uh-huh. Because we had the teacher in the wheelchair and we had the best friend who um, couldn't walk straight and, and couldn't run and all of that. And we have Percy with ADHD. Yeah. So we have all of these different representations. And every single one of these people ends up being more than human. Yes. So that's interesting. Uh, now, is that is that helpful or not? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't rightly know. Okay. So that's, that's the topic I wanted to get to is because I want to have that conversation uh-huh. and be like, is this a good, you know, baseline for a story to say, like, yeah. any and all disabilities end up being people who are more than, you know. Yeah. If you have dyslexia, you might be a Greek god. Like it removes their humanity. It does a little bit. So. I mean, like, it's nice to see characters who look different and experience the world different. Yeah. But it's also weird to have their humanity then questioned or challenged yeah and to be like no they're more than human yeah or they're better than or whatever like so it's a weird double-edged sword yeah yeah so Uh, but but apparently karen wasn't really sure about percy because he went to the school and was just like i don't know he's got a lot to learn and i i feel like we kind of imply here that like we really don't know if percy is special at this point because he's at a camp that apparently tons of other kids are at like that are in a similar position to him uh and this has happened before as obvious as evidenced by grover talking about it being like you know it's always sixth grade where they get killed etc etc yeah so percy is not in a unique circumstance however apparently by by the time a lot of these kids are percy's age they know a heck of a lot more than he does yeah and you know so maybe they're having more uh like manifesting powers yeah sooner yeah, or maybe it's his mom that tried so hard to keep him from from this camp, and that's the you know the conversation that they have of it's like, yeah, this is why they get killed because like somebody tries to protect them, and yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, so maybe it's just specifically kids in that sort of circumstance that end up dead before they can learn anything. Yeah. Who knows? Well, and also, what is it that they keep talking about him not having knowledge of? Yeah, like. Uh, because if like he hasn't learned anything no one has taught him yeah it's not something that he like they keep acting like you're stupid percy why haven't you learned more yet yeah and kieran even says like later on like no there's... even even our intro films aren't going to be yeah. enough because there's too much to cover yeah it's like you should come into this with knowledge uh previously yeah like, like... <laughs> So. Is every is every parent supposed to be raising their kid being like, oh yeah, your dad was a god? Yeah, apparently the god's still getting around, by the way. Um, yeah, because like there's tons of kids at this camp. Really, not that many gods. 
like even going through like if you want to go into like the c-listers of the greek pantheon you're looking at maybe like a couple dozen people gods beings whatever well i mean there's also going to be the ones that are the product of like sea nymphs and mortals and stuff like that like or you put you have all of the satyrs and stuff like that you know yeah who are half-bloods yeah essentially so i was just gonna say like handful of gods that are you know getting down with uh bunches and bunches of humans it's also (laughs) been thousands of years Yes, but like there's there's several dozen kids here that are around Percy's age. Yeah, it's interesting over. specifically that Annabeth is Annabeth. Yeah, Annabeth is mentioned as having been there longer than anyone else. Yeah, that's interesting in that. Also, her name is three uh, Annabeth. Annabeth Chase ABC. ABC. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Is that anything? I don't know if that's anything. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out later. Um, anyway, so they sit down and they start playing Pinochle. Apparently very important. Um, well, hmm. it's up there with, what is it, Pac-Man and <laughs> uh, Gladiator Sports as yeah. three of the best things mortals ever invented. Yeah. Mr. D and, is a huge fan of Pac-Man. And Percy doesn't like the way Mr. D says mortals as if he weren't one. Yeah. And that's his first, like, inkling that this guy isn't a, just a guy. Not just some guy, man. Not We're in some a gay shirt. guy. Uh-huh. Uh, they sit down, they start playing uh, Grover. It was Gabe as in his yeah. stepfather. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I know. Just to be sure <laughs> yeah. that everyone else knows, too. <laughs> uh, Grover casually eats a Diet Coke can. Yeah. As you know. If you're done with that, may I have it? He's a goat. Sounds really painful, but, you know. Do goats eat metal? Yeah, they, they're famous for eating all kinds of trash. It's pretty well known. They eat fabric and metal debris and all kinds of crap. It's apparently their uh, digestive systems are very uh, robust. So, yeah. This is, this is a thing. What was it that he ran for? Burritos? Enchiladas, I Enchiladas? Think. Yeah. So you just eat the whole tray? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we have this revelation. Kieran is just like, Greek gods, still very much alive. And Percy says, wait, God is real? And uh, Kieran is just like, well, let's let's not... We don't deal with the let, metaphysical. We're not, we're not going to talk about the metaphysical. So we're just hand-waving away all of, like, the uh, the extant religions in the world. Yeah. So just, we're not going to deal with those. Yeah, we're not dealing with those. We don't deal uh, with the metaphysical here. Yeah. We deal with what's real. Like, like the, the Greek, Greek gods. gods. Yep. That's the thing. So uh, I'm assuming that's never going to come up. That's uh, Riordan just hand-waving that away. Just being like, yeah, we're not going to talk about Christianity. But the Greek gods, like Zeus, Hera, Apollo, distant thunderclap. Uh, again, Mr. D is just like... Yeah, don't don't throw names around, and and he calls Percy by his full name when he does that, and Percy is intimidated. Uh, yes. Well, he say he rebuts and says about their stories, their myths, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And Mr. D is just like, no, listen, you, your science is bullcrap. Yeah. Like you know when you when you take the long view and think about like beings that have been around for thousands of years and are mortal. Like, what do you, what is your knowledge right now compared to what it's going to be in 2000 years? Yeah. You know, and how would you, how would you feel if somebody eventually called you a myth? So, well, 
uh, Chiron says that to yeah. him. Yeah. Chiron is the one who says, what if I told you that one day people will call you, Percy, a myth for, to help little boys get over losing their mothers? Uh-huh. Kind of. Ow. Yeah. But also very valid. Yeah. To be um, like, these are living, breathing beings who are just relegated in all of public consciousness. To be like, yep, yeah, that's the explanation for thunder from dummies. Yeah. That's a thing. Um, who didn't so, know what electrons were. So, mm-hmm. Perseus Jackson. Yes. You know his real name now. We do. Finally come up. Uh, it's very Greek sounding. Yep. You know, Jackson, classic Greek surname. No. Love that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Perseus, how, how, how fancy sounding. I'm just happy he had his mother's last name. That's one of those things that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. Single mothers will frequently give their child the biological father's last name. And it's, yeah. I don't like that. Even though it's a son name, it is, it is in fact a patriarchal name uh-huh. because it is a Jack's son. Yeah. But you know. That's a thing. I mean, we, we still don't know who his real dad is, so. You're not my real father. Or if his real dad has a last name, like most of the Greek gods don't. So. Well, I mean, a lot of them are, yeah, just there. He he's gonna meet him sometime later in this book, and we're just gonna and he, we're gonna have a conversation where it's gonna be like Poseidon, and he's just like, yeah, a lot of people don't know this, but Poseidon Jackson always was. Yep. Uh, I married your mother. That's the OG. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> um. Anywho. So, uh, then we, uh, find out a little bit more about who, uh, Mr. D might be, because he waves his hand and immediately produces out of thin air a goblet with red wine in it. Yep. Uh, and then Chiron's just like, uh, yeah, by the way, bro. And he's like, oops, my bad. Uh, and then magically turns Old that- Old habits, sorry, looks up at the sky. Uh-huh. Magically cool. turns that into a can of Diet Coke. Yep. So- Apparently that's what uh, old Dionysus is up to these days. Not Diet drinking. Coke. Yeah. Diet Coke. Uh-huh. Uh, and we learned that's because uh, Mr. D offended his dad. Zeus. Yep. And he's uh, he's been uh, getting punished for it for a while. Yeah. Uh, he took a fancy to a wood nymph who had been declared off limits. And I'm sure this is a story that this one I didn't look up. Like, I'm sure this is referencing something. Part of, part of these things I don't want to look too deep into because I feel like that's just going to be what the uh, the plot line for the book is going to revolve around. Oh, yeah. It's just like, if we get too deep into the uh, into the, the actual here, myth, we're yeah. going to spoil the book yeah. for ourselves. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. So, again. Or we could be learning things and have a valuable education <laughs> experience while we enjoy the whimsy of this book. We could. Would you like to look up who the wood nymph is that uh, Dionysus had a dalliance with? Uh-huh. Um, so according to this uh, little article I'm reading about the loves of Dionysus uh, it could be a figure called Barrow a goddess nymph of the city of Barrow in Lebanon uh, who was wooed by the gods Dionysus and Poseidon who Dionysus lost out to uh, Poseidon in that particular uh, love triangle uh, but nothing is really a uh, coming out about specifically a wood nymph that Zeus had declared anything about. So, I don't know. That might be a blending of different stories there. So, anyway. 
he says, yeah, he, he went after this nymph that he wasn't supposed to, uh, got punished by Zeus for it. First time prohibition, capital P. So I was wondering if that was just like actual prohibition. And that was the, uh, that for, was just, and a, how long was it? 10 years. Yeah. So what was, was that the punishment for Dionysus is like America just banned alcohol. Yeah. And so. Could be. <laughs> Could be. Or was just, was he just prohibited from drinking? I think it was just him, but like we all, because the second time was this or the second time. I feel like there was a second time before this and that this no, punishment said, to the camp is the third. He said the second time you sent me here. Okay. Uh, Half-Blood Hill summer camp for brats like you, where he is he is there to be a better influence and, and look after path gods and, uh, you know, be punished. So that's yep. fun. And it's implied later that he's still supposed to be there for like a hundred more years before he can return to Olympus. Well, I mean, it's stated that it's for a hundred years. Yeah. And not necessarily for a hundred more, but yeah. Yeah. For a while. So quite a while. Uh, and then we have Percy finally realizing, oh yeah, his father's Zeus. He's an actual thing. Uh, you're Dionysus. Holy crap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he can't believe that he's a god, and then Dionysus fills his mind with a bunch of horrible visions of stuff. He, so uh, that's fun. Soul gazes him. Yeah. The little soul gaze happens, and, uh, Percy sees a bunch of people dying horribly, and it's just like, yeah, I get the feeling that he was showing me, like, the PG-rated stuff. Yeah. So... That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if he wanted to, he could probably turn me insane just yeah. by looking at me. Yep. <laughs> Indeed. But, and he says that, too. Yeah. So, that's fun. Uh, and then through all this, Dionysus thinks he, he wins the game, but uh, Chiron pulls out a win in the end. is just like, yeah, not so fast. And uh, Dian- Mr. D gets upset, but also seems resigned to the fact that this is the usual turn of events in this particular game. Apparently. Chiron wins a lot. So, we know that about him. Uh, then chastises Grover, and just like, yeah, we're gonna have a little, uh, we're a little chat about this, because I mean, at the end of the day, Percy's not dead. He got here. Uh, yeah, why what, is what, Grover, it, why is in, Grover trouble? in trouble? Like, what yeah. did he really do wrong? Like, was it ideal? No. no. But he still got Percy here safely. Yeah, well, and that's so. that's the conversation that Percy and, and Chiron have as soon as they walk away. Yeah. Is Grover really in trouble? No, he shouldn't be because you're here. You're yeah. alive. Yeah. And Mr. D is just grumpy. Yeah. He has to stay here another century or whatever. Yeah. Watching after kids. Uh, and then they have a more in-depth conversation about the, uh, the deal with the gods. Uh, and where, you know, originally they were on Mount Olympus and they've moved around, uh, following the heart of the West. Yes. I wrote that down too. The heart of the West and that like they have moved from Greece to Rome. Some of the names changed. They spent some time in Spain and some in France and they spent a very long time in Europe and England specifically. Yeah. And then, uh, of course they moved to America. Yeah. Heart of the West. I do really love the idea that capital P prohibition was Dionysus getting punished. <laughs> I'm I'm loving that yeah. more and more yeah. right now. That was that I'm loving that yeah. idea so much. It's my um, head cannon. Yeah, that's head cannon. <laughs> We're gonna keep that as head cannon. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like this idea of the heart of the West and this West and then like he mentions Western civilization. Uh huh. And then you brought up 
the book American Gods in your summary. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a book by Neil Gaiman or Gaiman, and in that book, we have all of these kind of remnants of gods from various different cultures, but a lot of Norse influence specifically. Yeah, and the conflict between them in mm-hmm. this with the emergence of American gods uh, with consumerism and consumerism and media and, media and all yeah. of the things that are now becoming um, gods yeah, and how there isn't really a parallel in previous mythologies yeah. to fully complement this yeah. and to actually, you know, that, that new gods are coming around yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. And... I think it's super interesting that we have this idea of Western civilization. You brought up the American gods reference because there's a lot that you can, you know, when you talk about like greed and Dionysus specifically and all of these different things that you can attribute to some of these different Greek gods. Yeah. And like, I, I, I just like this idea of following Western civilization. Are these gods evolving or are they in conflict with other gods and mythologies like or are the only gods that this book is willing to recognize the greek pantheon and is it and is this book only going to be engaging in that or is it going to have some more conflict are we going to have titans being representing like and having conflict with gods Mm -hmm. what what is what is the ultimate god-based conflict here going to be titans of industry (laughs) yes like is that what is that where we're going where there are american gods that are actually just titans reskinned and we're going to have the titans and the gods battling it out again that'd be fun uh uh there is titans taken over you know yeah there is gaps in in the greek gods coverage of what they do mayhaps uh, there is a line by Karen in his little monologue here that says, uh, you might even say they are source, they are the source of it, or at least they are tied so tightly to it that they couldn't possibly fade, not unless all of Western civilization are obliterated. Which we can just only hope for at this point. <laughs> so the gods are interestingly linked with this idea of Western civilization in such a way that like, if Western civilization collapsed, they might die. Yeah. So that's interesting. And vice versa. Yeah. So anyway, you know, like it or not, America. There is also a tiny little line here that I wanted to discuss uh, where, again, Karen's talking. He says, look at the look at your symbol, the Eagle of Zeus. Look at the statue of Prometheus, Rockefeller Center, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that reminded me of, I guess, obscure knowledge that I had of like, yeah, Eagle was a symbol of Zeus. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, given this which chapter... Which we talked about in the dream setting. Which I feel like we should bring up in this chapter, because what does Percy have the dream of? Of the eagle fighting a white horse. Yeah. What does Chiron look like? He looks like a he centaur looks, with a white yeah, horse's he's, body. He's a white horse. Yeah. And so, he's the son of a titan. Yeah. So, is that is that where we're going with this, uh, this dream? Like, is there somehow going to be a conflict between Zeus and Chiron in the future here? Who knows? Uh-huh. And Percy really doesn't want them to fight. He's got to stop this. So yeah. That's some foreshadowing that I thought was, uh, that, you know, seems pretty on the nose here, but I could be wrong about it. We'll see. Because we do have I a, still think it was about his mother's dying, but... We do have a character who's a white horse. So. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and then 
Percy asks the million dollar question to Chiron once he's done with his little monologue about how the gods are American now. Who are you, Chiron? Who am I? Uh, And then Chiron says, who are you? Well, that's a question we all want answered, isn't it? So are we implying that Chiron doesn't actually know for sure? Yeah. That, That was what I was thinking, like... Is there some mystery as to who Percy is or where he comes from? Like, is Percy somehow special among the the half-bloods of the camp? What's going to happen at the solstice? Like, is there something different about him specifically? Yeah. Like, obviously, because main character syndrome and, like, he's the titular character of the series, so you sure there's something special about him. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. But what's going to happen? Does anybody know who his dad is? Is that the mystery? Maybe. Or they just know that he is... Special. I don't know. Cool. Uh, so, but yeah, that's uh, there's plenty of time for that tomorrow. We're going to have s'mores tonight. That's more important right now. Let's yeah. go have s'mores. What are the s'mores going to taste like? Probably like s'mores. Crazy. But everything here tastes like something else. Maybe the s'mores taste like shrimp scampi. <laughs> Those are my dreams. You didn't, re- you didn't mention that... Um... That Mr. D uh, swore earlier in Greek as well with Dia Mortalis. Chiron. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nothing, nothing bad happens I when he I thought you swears. taught this boy the basics. Yeah. I guess he's allowed to. Yeah. Nothing, nothing negative happens there. Uh, and then Chiron is going to take off. Uh, and he looks like he's about to get up from his wheelchair. Which we know can't happen. Obviously because not. Because he's obviously in a wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, but then he doesn't. He unfolds himself out of the wheelchair. Which is apparently some kind of magical illusion box that can hide his entire centaur body. Yeah. It's crazy. It's bigger on the inside. Yep. He's got a little uh, wheel TARDIS. A little wheel TARDIS. Rolls around in. Uh, but he comes out and Ermagerd, he's actually a centaur. And his 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 flanks were falling asleep or whatever. His his, uh, his fetlocks, fetlocks, which I, I don't know what a fetlock is. I didn't look it up. Yeah. But I'm, I'm assuming it's part of a horse. Yeah. Horse people out there, you know what a fetlock is. Draw a picture of one and send it to us. Please don't. What? I'm just, it's, I feel like that's going to be a weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. And then we have a revelation. And again, we have this theme with the chapter titles where like the... It's that part of the uh, leg. Cool. By it's, the like a, it's a horse ankle. Got it. Um, now we know. We're learning so much about horses in this book already. Yep. Uh, we have this thing again with the chapter title, like, not really coming to fruition until, like, the very last paragraph in the entire chapter is, like, I play Pinochle with a horse. We don't know he's a horse until the very end. Uh, like, the previous chapter, my mother teaches me bullfighting where, like, the, you know, yeah. fight happens at the very end of the chapter. Uh, before that, Grover unexpectedly loosens his pants. The last line of the chapter is... Him yeah. being pantsless. So the chapter titles are like, this is what happens at the very end. Yeah. Um, We're always working up to what the chapter title is. Yeah. Uh, which, very intrigued by the next one, which is, I become Supreme Lord of the Bathroom. Yes. All right. How's that going to work? How indeed. Oh, man. Well, that's, uh, that's the chapter, and now they're going to go wander off to Cabin 11. Cool. And meet some new friends. Is 11 significant? Why is it Cabin 11? I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking for a little hidden significance in everything here. Yeah. I'm really trying to pick it apart. Are you, uh, did you pick a sentence? I did. Oh, okay. Would you like to do our favorite sentence? Yeah. If okay. we're, if we're before, done with the chapter. Sure. Kristen, what's your favorite sentence of this chapter? I chose, uh, 
a, a little paragraph. I'm sorry. I'm the one who well, created this uh, concept, so I'm going to go ahead and go with it. Uh-huh. All right. My mother was gone. The whole world should be black and cold. Nothing should look beautiful. I had a feeling you are going to choose that one. Yeah. And that dark stuff you like. It's just... Yeah, it's, it's good. so it's validating line. to the experience of grief yeah. where you don't want the world to be beautiful. You don't think it should be. You don't think it can be. Yeah. And then you're constantly faced with beauty that you don't want to appreciate. Yeah. In a moment of grief. Mm-hmm. In a in in a constant experience of grief. Yeah. Yours is really heavy. I should have gone first. Um <laughs> uh hear my sentence. Sure. Somebody knocked on the door, and the girl quickly filled my mouth with pudding. <laughs> Just out of context, that was a great line, and that's yeah. my favorite sentence in the chapter. There you go. Uh, <laughs> anyway. That's a funny one. That's a good one. Uh, so, should we move on to our last segment? Sure. Would you like me to explain it? Yeah, go for it. Cool. So uh, as a creative exercise in this series of books, what we're doing is we are picking a perspective. We pick our perspective. I was almost going to say a character, but we haven't always done characters like you've been in the car twice now. Yeah. Uh, we pick a pers- different perspective than Percy's to write the chapter from, uh, just to give us a little bit more of a, a fleshing out maybe of, of what's going on. Uh, so I have written mine. Kristen, would you like some more time? Should I go first? And you yeah. Can... Okay. <laughs> so here is my rewrite of this chapter. Let's see if you can guess whose perspective it's from. We've been playing this game too long. The players change. The game does not. There's the novice who knows nothing. There's the stooge who's afraid to really play the hand. There's the hustler with... Uh, always a new trick up his sleeve. And then there's me. Reluctant teacher, minder, gracious loser to appease the powers that be. Chiron looks like he might pull out a win this time. A real one. Maybe he can teach the kid how he does it. Maybe the kid gets good enough to take my place at the table someday. I hope so. We've been playing this game for too long. So who is this? Mr. D. Okay. Huh. I was going to be the cards, so I got confused, <laughs> as you can as uh-huh. you can imagine. Yeah. I got I got confused. So I was now it's me trying to be all clever. Yeah. The game is a metaphor. Anyway. See, yeah. It's a metaphor. Yeah. What about a meta five? Um. <laughs> okay, well. Dad. Well. This one was really hard because there's there's only characters like that are there, and so I was gonna just have it be Annabeth, uh-huh. and just you know have her turn around, see Percy, be like yo, you drool when you sleep, you drool when you sleep, <laughs> uh huh, and have her walk away, and just you know maybe do some in her head stuff. But I also agree with you that she's going to be a much more distinctive character, yeah. which is why I have a hard time doing this as characters. Yeah. Because I don't want to assign anything mentally in my head to what I think this character is. I want to let them be. Uh-huh. Um, if I didn't think this character was going to come up again, uh-huh. I would d- use Annabeth. Yeah. 
Um, so I was just going to do the aluminum can. I was just sitting on the table between Chiron and and uh, Dionysus here. Don't, don't explain it. Give me a perspective. No, I'm, I'm doing it right oh, now. Okay. I'm sitting here on the table <laughs> between Chiron and Dionysus. You can occasionally hear the wind echoing in my empty, empty body. They play their cards. Ah, a newcomer has arrived. No, not the goat boy. Please. Please, God, no. No, Dionysus, why would you do this to me? Why is he handing me to the goat boy? No, God, no. Oh. And that's, so that's my rewrite. You really like your inanimate objects uh, as observers. Yeah. Of this story. Yeah. Because I don't want to have characters. <laughs> I don't like writing and assigning things to a character that I feel is a fully fleshed out living being. Yeah. If it's not, like if it's the building super from, from you know, I'll, I'll be him. But like I, if it's, yeah. I feel like it would help you more if I had introduced the character I was writing it from at the beginning. Because I feel like you spent yeah. too much effort trying yeah. to figure out who it yes. is. Yes. You missed the point of my story. Yes. I don't, I don't have any idea what you wrote. Okay. Cool. We can listen to the thing later if we, we do record Yeah, this. I'm going to... Uh, we record it? Really? For posterity. Uh-huh. That's new. Nobody actually listens to this I podcast. didn't give consent to be recorded. <laughs> you didn't plug in the microphone. I didn't. You did this time. <laughs> I usually do. But it was you today. Anyway. Would you like to take us out, Kristen? Sure. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed Chapter 5 of The Lightning Thief. Uh, Join us again next week or, you know, sometime in the next two weeks as we discuss chapter six of The Lightning Thief. That chapter is called I Become Supreme Lord of the Bathroom. And in the meantime, you can interact with us on social media at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Chronically Pod on Twitter. Or you can email us your fan art of a horse's fetlocks inside of a TARDIS (laughs) chair. (laughs) Um, that's a really esoteric one. That's a it's a hard thing to conceptualize. You can email those to us at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast, uh, where we may actually record ourselves uh, learning how to play Pinochle. You know, I just kind of skimmed through, like, the scoring hands here, and I might remember how to play. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, Royal Marriage is the second highest hand. Wow. So he could have only been beaten by what? what what's um, the highest one? What Chiron had. What did he have? Uh, like a, a, mel- a flush or whatever it is, okay. basically. Cool. It's a straight flush, essentially, but that's what it, it has a different name. It's, okay. I mean, it's just a flush, but the hand is like a straight flush, basically. Yeah. Yep. And we're not going to do that. Probably not. But it, we might. <laughs> um, so until next time. Recycle your aluminum cans. See, I was going to say make sure all your aluminum cans are uh, sustainably farmed and ethically sourced. Ah, yes. There you go. Be responsible. 100%. We were both on the same page. We were. (laughs) Cool. Farewell. Bye.
I'm an airplane flying <laughs> through the sky. Uh-huh. Ob observing the beauty of the blue sky and the green earth and the brown hills. Or we could be learning things and have a valuable education experience while we enjoy the whimsy of this book. We could. Would you like to look up who the wood nymph is that uh, Dionysus had a dalliance with? A dalliance. Uh-huh. Dalliance. It's like, it's like, you should forget what you're doing on your phone. I did. <laughs> Dionysus and the wood I am an aluminum can. That's not what grits with butter is. Okay. There wasn't a plan. <laughs> yes. Which is, um, of course, a book by somebody whose name I can't remember right now. Neil Gaiman. Dionysus and the Off-Limits Nymph. Who has gray eyes? I was gonna make a, uh, 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 you can't, uh, make love to a thunderstorm. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not what you do. Uh, anyway, we can take that out, but that seemed dicky to me. You know what? You bother me so much. Yeah, I know. It's mutual. Yeah. That's what marriage is. <laughs> bother each other equally. Indeed. Can confirm.